When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is December 28th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys had a great Christmas, holiday season, whatever you celebrated. I hope it was awesome uh, over the past week. This is actually the final Bruins Beat of 2021, and it has been quite the year. So uh, to recap the whole year, to look at the most notable moments of the season, Connor Ryan, old friend Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal, joined us to talk about the year. Uh, and and just kind of review it and recap it. And we kind of came to one big conclusion, which we'll get to uh, at the end of today's episode. I do want to say, though, before uh, we get into the conversation, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listened throughout the whole year, to anyone who's listened at all, just everyone for listening and supporting the show. Uh, you guys, it doesn't happen without you. So uh, at the end of every year, I always like to say thank you. This year is no different. Just thank you, thank you, thank you a hundred times over because um, you guys are incredible, whether it's interacting with me on Twitter or just simply listening to this. Uh, I really cannot thank you enough. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing, I've been better, uh, but you've had a, you, we'll get to my th- issues in a minute. But first, first, before we get to my nose and my fat lip and I look like I got beat up, I'll get to it in a sec what happened. Uh, but first, how was your Christmas? How was your holiday season? It was splendid. It was uh, low key, no, no issues, no concerns. I saw, you know. Scrolling through Instagram stories, a lot of people unfortunately had, you know, isolation Christmases or what have you. So thankfully, we were able to avoid that. Everyone's safe and healthy. Uh, it was good. Able to relax, take some time off, watch Jingle all the way, all that good stuff. <laughs> so it, it was a good couple of days. How about yourself? It was good. A fun Christmas, Christmas Eve, very low key stuff, which is what I like. You know, I've, I have friends who will travel, you know, two hours on Christmas Day and it's just like, uh, eh. You know, that's nice and all, but I do enjoy just kind of like chilling and hanging out. Um, yes. So it was nice to be with the family and, you know, do what I, you know, have a low, as you said, a low key Christmas. That was very nice. So uh, the day after Christmas, uh, I, one of my things this year is I want to learn how to ski. 
And that, that's been my, one of my big things going to 2022 is I want to learn how to ski. So, uh, my friends and I, who I'm going with on a big trip out West to ski in late February, took me and, a, and another friend who had never skied before to Wachusett and said, you, you know, we're going to, you're, we're going to teach you how to ski. You don't need lessons. You played hockey, Evan, you're fine. So on the bunny slopes, on the, uh, green slopes, or whatever the next level up, I was great. I, I felt natural. They were like, oh, you're good at this. Like, you know, and I'm like, hell well, yeah. Confidence is I'm, going up. Yeah. Confidence is going way too high, but I didn't realize that I'm just like, this is awesome. Like I love skiing. I'm fairly good at it. This is like my fourth time going down and I'm doing the parallel turns and stuff. Like it just was Oh yeah. No, I was looking great. And so they're like, you dude, you can totally do go to the top of the mountain and do like a, a like a big slope or a big trail, whatever you call it. And so us four all went up and uh they were like oh yeah you know you're 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 good like lead the way actually lead the way it was like they were sending me to my death so they're like oh we'll go as fast as you whatever so i'm like perfect awesome you know so i'm bombing down this this slope and as i'm going i'm like man like my friends aren't even behind me and it, it is so steep like this is so much more than just like what I was on. And this is like my literal sixth time going down a mountain with skis on my feet. So I'm like, wow, this is like really steep. And so even at one point I stopped at this little area where you could stop. And I was like, you know, maybe I should like wait for my friends. I was like, nah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to bomb down this thing. So I'm bombing down and I'm on this, this really steep hill and I start to lose control and all of a sudden, I fall forward and smash my face into the ice. Smash it. Nose first, straight in. And I start to slide a bit. And I'm like, I'm, my first thought is I'm looking for the trail of blood. Like, I'm like, my nose is so broken. It's not even, there's no way this nose is like intact still. And a ski flew off. And uh, it was just, and this guy came by and the ski patrol came. They're like, you all right? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. I was kind of a little dazed. Uh, but I'm thinking to myself, like, this, and my lip was bleeding because I'd cut it. So the moral of the story was I went way too fast, way too quickly. I had to humiliatingly walk down the rest of the slope with another friend. Um, but, yeah, they it was a crazy day. You, though? Yeah, they did. So one of them caught up to me and was dying laughing. And then, like, the poster was like, wow, you actually got injured. And I was like, yes, I did. Um, and we were waiting for my other friends to come down. And they were like, yeah, this is way tougher than we thought. Shouldn't have brought you here. Shouldn't have brought even ourselves here. Uh, but the thing was, it was ice. And I realized this, that's why people don't love skiing out east is because it's all ice. And with the ice storm that happened on Christmas Eve, I was sliding on ice. Like if I fell and hit my nose and my face on like regular snow, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it'd be nothing. But yeah. But so anyways, yes, that was my day after Christmas, just getting absolutely bodied by the mountain. So um, no concussion either. I was very surprised. So there I didn't get go. checked out. But some, I talked to some doctors and they were like, you, you're not dizzy? I was like, no. Like, oh, then you're not concussed. So there you go. Yeah. That Between was me. Between Fulsburg with Bergeron and you with just a block of ice on a mountain. Both it's, it's rough days. Yeah. And my teammates didn't even stand up to the ice. They kept skiing. I was like, damn. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. So anyways, I don't know how long I'm going to look like this. I don't know if my nose is going to get bigger. Um, I don't think it's broken. It doesn't feel it. Like I can still like move it. Um, so I think I'm, I think I'm all good. Just cosmetic. Um, but t- just cosmetic. Yeah. Maybe I'll get a nose, uh, uh, maybe I'll get a nose job of a whole new nose. You know, maybe that'll be what I do or, or, or whatnot. But anyways, we have stuff to, to cover. Obviously there's stuff coming, going on with Bruins with COVID. 
Um, I want to focus on the end of 2020. I want to focus on 2021 because I believe the next time Bruins beat meets will be 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the last episode of 2021. Tough end of 2021 for me. Yes. But yes. However, uh, I do want to go through most notable moments of this year. And it's tough because we've been through so much. This was kind of like uh, 2020 in the sense that it felt like it was going forever. And there was so much happening at all times. Um, but there were notable moments this year. Some of these are very fun. Some of these are not so fun. I think you'll be able to tell what the fun and unfun ones are and aren't. Uh, but at any rate, Connor, uh, why don't you go first? Because it's your first time Bruins beat in a while. Uh, you go first. What is your most notable moment from this year? Well, I'd say probably the one that sticks out in terms of we're doing like chronologically. Like uh, I'd probably say the Lake Tahoe game. Uh, against Philly, which you looked at like last year and last year was so hard to like even sum up anyway, like the past season rather, just because it was 56 games, like your clock that you have for the regular NHL seasons. So like attuned that the way it started, like just felt like it was such a, a weird kind of time frame that you were in. It's tough to even like recollect how that season went, but in terms of like looking for an actual fun memory or during a year where we were mostly watching on our screens or through Zoom. Um, I'd say that Lake Tahoe game st- stands out. Uh, obviously, Bruins took care of business on the ice, but like the whole kind of build up to it, you know, the, it ended up working out great with the scenery, which you worried about because the game before that, right, the Vegas game, they were skating in puddles. So yes. they really <laughs> avoid that. Um, but you look at like, you know, the, the Bruins doing their full like nineties guy beforehand, like with their huge, like colorful ski outfits. Uh, would you, were you wearing something similar to that, Evan, at all? On I should, I should have been. Honestly, you know what? The, the, the goggles that David Posternock. Yes. Well, so the, the goggles that David Posternock wore saved my face a lot of it and the helmet saved my head. So, uh, clearly that's where I got my ski ideas from. I said, yes. my God, I got to wear those things and they saved me. Yeah. So, yes. So, I mean, but that like, was such a fun time. Yeah, so, like, between, like, you know, Bergeron got, like, what do you have, like, Dr. Dre on his Walkman? Like, they had all yes. those things. Uh, you had, like, people, like, those crazy guys jumping in the lake from, like, the boats that we thought was Spoke Z or ETD. Uh, <laughs> or who can forget uh, local legend Dusty Gooch? I was going to uh, say, yeah, who was, was, was the guy's I'll name was Dusty that. Gooch? So, in terms of, like, a year where a lot of, like, you know, our access or our, you know, ability to, like, glean more from the team beyond just, like, you know, what we get from like post-practice Zooms or uh, just, you know, post-game, you know, interviews, what have you. So able to get like more of a, a bigger event like that where some more of the personality could sneak through. It was just a, a fun game to watch and worked out pretty well, all things considered. In the Posternock Barbie girl thing after the game, that was a oh, notable thing. Yeah, that, you were the one who tweeted that thing out. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was insane. I mean, that like, that was the, the one time you'd love to see a player be like, I don't want to do this media availability because... The Barbie Girl song's on. I'm, I'm missing it. So He's missing it. So we, we that did was it, so we did ruin it. That was kind of our fault. Uh, but that, that's funny though. After that, not to pour uh, pour water on a good fire here, but wasn't didn't the Bruins go on a big losing streak after? Or they didn't I go on a losing so. streak, but they they hit a real rough patch yeah, after that game. Of, it was one of those things too where you couldn't even build any like the good the good vibes from it because I remember like their first home game after that they had Barbie Girl in. Their warm-up mix. People are like, oh, this is great. And I, th- I think they lost like three or four games in a row. And they're like, this is out. This is out. We're taking this Goodbye. out. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. No, so that, but that Tahoe game was, and you mentioned the scenery, like the scenery of that was incredible. That was better than any winter classic they've ever done. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's been a lot of great winter classics, but 
just the scenery of being at Lake Tahoe and the mountains in the back. I mean, that was just, um, that was as good as it got. I think for like most fun thing, that's probably at the top. Uh, my most notable moment, Tahoe was definitely up there, but game one against the Islanders when fans were fully back to me is, and maybe it's because we were there, but like that to me is the one, like that was the game that the fans were back and like, uh, West End looked the same. Like there were, you know, there were lines outside of bars and remember that was an 8 PM start time. Yeah. So the crowd was just absolutely blitzed. And it was just like nuts and they won the game and Postrock had the hat trick That's and true. like the broadcast did a good job of getting the, uh, of getting different angles of the crowd. Like it was just, it was one of those moments. It felt like we beat COVID, right? And we'll get to later. Maybe we didn't beat COVID, but in, in that moment, yeah, the sequel, the sequel sucks, but it did in that moment. It was like, Oh my God, this is the first moment since, you know, early 2020 where like everything feels normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame they didn't win that series. Serious again, I still believe they should have won. Um, and Islanders fans are still going to find this YouTube video. They're going to find this YouTube video. These these guys all these idiots. What are they doing? Like, even though they're not they? the fact that like their their team's also like completely you know tanking in the standings. But regardless, no, they're going to find us on this. I'm wondering like uh, Jamaica Queens is going to find this YouTube channel. Look <laughs> at all the random shit on YouTube and, and single us out. So. Yeah, we'll make the we'll make the head we'll make the We're title of this podcast. Yeah, we'll make the title of this podcast like you know Islanders suck in 2021. Then people yes. that's how people are gonna find it. Um, but to me that's the that was the moment that was the time. Um, the whole just build up to that night and then the game itself and then the next game the Bruins came back from a crazy deficit if I remember and then lost. They lost. It was the I think that was the Lozon like when he had like that, that was the Lozon. Yeah. That was the Lozon game. Um, and then later that series, there was the New York Saints, uh, that Cassidy said and they were chanting it at him in game six. Very so that's just saying that Bergeron was, uh, was, uh, cheating a bit, heading face yes. off. So yes, a lot, of, like, forget. a lot of like, uh, a lot of trash talking through like Zoom in that. In that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, a lot of people forget the Bruins won a playoff series before that. They beat the Caps yes. in five games. So that's another uh, moment. Maybe you were going to get to that. I just totally stole it from you. But um, that was another moment where you know, that was another time when things looked good. And that's why expectations were so high um, going into that Islander series. Do you have any other outstanding thoughts from that Islander series that you never got ironed out? Uh, back on now. I would say probably the, the, the toughest one was going into that, probably that deciding game, which obviously Islanders kind of ran away with, but just that whole discourse going into it about like Rask and injury wise and, and what they were going to get for him, which again, I don't think Rask was the reason they lost that series. I mean, you look at just like how much the scoring dried up, how much, you know, you lost guys like Kahlo and uh, the Islanders completely hemmed you in your own zone, which is concerning considering I think whether it be last year, or this year, the bread and butter of this team is its defensive identity and ability to limit those high danger chances and whether it be, Rask or Swayman in any of those times, they were kind of let, you know, let out to dry. So, um, again, very disappointed they didn't win that series because I think going into that, right, like you get past that Capitals team, which is a first-round opponent people are terrified of just because of how physical the Caps are and, you know, the history they had with the Bruins. The Bruins more or less kind of steamrolled them in that series. So you're like, all right, like this team, like, has been on a run since uh, since March and April. Like they're they're ready to, like, make one last run. Uh, who knows when you face Tampa, what was going to happen. And to have it end like that was just, it had like kind of a sour note to a season that as tough as it was 
to try to, you know, sum up over a 56 game span. Still, you really thought they had a good chance. You finally had that second line uh, in place. And now we're a few months uh, further down the road and we're back, not at square one, but we're stuck still trying to pick up the pieces as to where dress this lineup kind of, you know, fits. So uh, disappointing way to end a season that had a whole lot of promise, especially kind of down that final stretch there. Yeah, I mean, they they did a complete 180, that team. Because I remember we were saying before the deadline, kind of like, oh, I don't know if this team's fully worth going all in on. Um, and they kind of did. And we'll get to some of the things they did in being most notable moments of the year. And they went on a run to end the year. They look great against Caps. Again, final regular season record of 2021 for the Bruins. When you combine last year's full season, because that was only in 2021, and this season... 47, 26, and 9. So, not bad. I mean, that's, that's fine. Four, they're 14, 10, and 2 right now. Yeah. Um, that's not great. But, I mean, last season's record was not too bad. Add it with this year's, not a horrible year. I mean, nothing that we're gonna like remember forever. I don't think 2021 is gonna be up there with like, you know, 2011, 13, and 19, but, yeah. uh, it's not terrible, right? It wasn't the worst. Um, but, you know, pretty safe bet that the Bruins will probably try to, you know, a little bit better in 2022. Uh, but when we're talking good bets, we always talk about our friends over at Bet Online. They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the College Bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Just use our promo code CLNS. 50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers online for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Again, promo code CLNS50, bet online where the game stats. Um, okay, so I will let you take the next notable moment of the of the year. Yeah, I would probably say the uh, you kind of alluded to it, but the Taylor Hall trade. Uh, you're looking at where this team was, and as you said, I think we had that conversation of you know, is this team? You know, I don't think we were having the discussions we've had, you know, through commenters this year. It's like, are we going to just blow it up? Like, is this the end of it? Like, but I still felt like it was a team where it's like, all right, maybe they just, they just ride it out and see what happens. You know, you looked at last year and how the whole kind of mantra was you know, still contend, but also kind of embrace a bit of a youth movement where you're losing guys like Char and Krug. You're like, all right, is this a team where we just, you know, maybe not a bridge year, but we still try to contend, but we have the pieces we have and see where it kind of falls? No. Then I, I think, you know, you get to a stretch there where, I mean, they had a whole bunch of defensemen injured, but they got lit up by Washington in that game where, like, poor Dan Vladar got, like, left out to dry, right? Where they scored, like, eight goals it was immediately. Yeah. Yeah, immediately, <laughs> like, legitimately, like, 40 minutes after that game, they trade for Mike Riley. And like, oh, okay. And then I think it's, what was it, like, 1 a.m., 2 a.m.? It they, was around, like, tw- I think it was 12.30 or 1. Yeah, they pull off the trade for Taylor Hall, which, like, I think, you know, regardless of, you know, we can look at, obviously, we know how good Taylor Hall was last year. It was with David Krejci. This year, it's a bit of a, a bit more of a muted production from him in terms of what you got. And, again, there's still plenty of time for him to figure it out, whether that's, uh, you know, switching around the line mates or, you know, adding a guy that drives a play out of him. But all things considered, even if like he was the player he is now back during that short stretch last year, there's still that excitement, I think, that comes with 
acquiring a marquee guy, like even like Rick Nash or what have you like that. I think for a fan base, when not only is it exciting just to, you know, go through the scenarios of what happens when you add a guy of that caliber to your lineup, but I think it's also usually a way to energize a fan base before the playoffs where it's like, all right, they, they seem to think they have the means and the, the personnel in place to go for it. So they hope this guy puts them over the top. So I think you look at last year in terms of stuff that really energized the fan base and obviously was exactly what they needed for last year in terms of getting that second line going. Uh, I think that Taylor Hall trades right up there and especially look at the return, right? Like even if people are, are, you know, not thrilled with Hall this year, you still got him for Anders Bjork and what a, a second round pick. And you also had Curtis yeah. Lazard, who's been a solid piece in that bottom six. So um, regardless of how Hall's kind of tenure, you know, goes on here with the Bruins, so it's a great trade. One you make a hundred times over. Oh yeah, no, I, and it's. I'm just looking. I went back and looked. Elliot Friedman tweeted Taylor Hall to Boston at 11:55. Wow. So I, I guess maybe it's because we were up working uh, till yeah. like one or two. That was why we kind of thought about that. But it felt later, and I remember because Bucci Gross tweeted a picture of Boston, I believe, and with the eyes, and everybody was like, "Oh, oh, that's Taylor Hall." But just listening to Augustana, but apparently, <laughs> yeah, that's Maybe that was it, but no, I, it, that was a very exciting time, I think, for Bruins fans. And I mean, the Bruins hadn't had a big splash like that again. Rick Nash, kind of, and, and they love doing these trades at weird hours because there wasn't the Rick Nash deal done uh, very it's, early in the morning. I definitely that was when I definitely woke up to the news where I yes. like looked in there was like eighty five notifications. I was like, shit. <laughs> that was early because I remember I remember waking up to it as well, being like, oh wow, the Bruins uh, went and got Rick Nash, but. Yeah, the Taylor Hall trade, uh, I will definitely put near the top of most notable moments of the year. Another thing I would put at the top, uh, the Linus Olmark signing. And here's why I would do it. Now you think, well, it's a, you know, it's a goalie, uh, contract, not the, one of the biggest in the league or anything. But when you look at the term and the money, that's starting goaltender money. And, uh, the salary cap is not expanding. It was not expanding at the moment. And so the thought was, this is Rask's replacement. They're going to run with Olmark and Swayman. And what's the deal for Swayman? And is Rask done? And that kind of made us all think, well, Tuka Rask must be done, right? Like if, if, if yeah. Olmark is signing to this money, Rask is probably gone. Uh, just like the depth signings that the Bruins made, made everybody think, well, David Krejci's got to be gone. So the Olmark signing was interesting because of what it meant. And then Rask comes out a few weeks later, or this was like a couple, maybe a month and a half later to Greg Hill and says, no, I expect to play this year. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching and I'll be ready to, I'm ready to get right back in. And for not a lot of money, everybody was like, wait a second, Rask, yeah. Rask ain't done. So I just, I look back at that and think, wow, that was kind of a whole roller coaster of emotions during the summer where it's like, oh, Rask is done. That's like, oh, wait, actually Rask might not be done. And now he's pretty much back. So yeah. I don't know if you have any outstanding thoughts on that whole thing. Yeah, no, I think it was the same thing where it's like, I think going into it, we expected the Bruins to add a lot of guys with the cap they had. I mean, going into the side of free agency, I think everyone was pretty much had their uh, Blake Coleman to Boston story already pre-written because it seemed like that was the consensus. I think Freeman even had, a, I think it was him that said like, you know, gut reaction before free agency started had Coleman to the Bruins. So we knew they were going to spend money. We knew they needed another goaltender. So even back then, even knowing what we know about, you know, Vladar and his numbers, you still expected them to sign some kind of veteran, but whether it's going to be 
a guy like Ullman for a longer term or, you know, just a veteran stopgap for the, for the meantime, you're going to get someone. But when you add a guy like Olmark to the mix with that money, I think, of course, yeah, your first reaction is, you know, is Rask done here? So um, definitely makes for an interesting scenario, one that's going to carry over into the new year because based on what Bruce Cassidy says, Rask could be cleared by mid-January, I think. So who knows? We could very well see him in a Bruins sweater in an actual game setting in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? They haven't played in so long. Maybe it's uh, yeah, the could be there time they're out or something. At this point. Yeah, no, I think it's January twelfth. Was that like the yeah. um? I feel like the, that's the date he gave. Time. The date, yeah. But uh, anyways, obviously times are kind of rough not right now, right? A little antsy. So maybe to help with all that antsiness and relaxation, we're going to talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I N S A. They're the premier. Because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. Instant dispensaries are inviting and modern. So come in if you want, just want to learn more. Just want to learn more. Staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offerings for insomnia and anxiety or just want to hang out with some friends. Do what you want. Places, you know, it's, it's free country. Do what you want in there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it says a world-class head chef too. And only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing. The Insta founders aren't just some bros from Silicon Valley, but they're lifelong pals from beautiful, amazing, legendary Springfield, Massachusetts. So there's another local team to root for, and that is Insta in Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt for only a penny. Again, say that Evan sent you, Connor sent you, Bruins Beat sent you, whatever you want to say. Give him a penny. You get a cool ass t-shirt. Or go to insa.com or call 877-500-INSA. Again, 877-500-INSA. I say this every time. The shirts are sick. I wear them all the time. They were nice enough to send me some. And boy, are they cool. And my friends like them too. I've turned my friends on to it. Uh, some people have reached out to me saying they have gone in and they've loved it and the shirts are cool. So it, it's been, honestly, the, the INSA has been great. Uh, they're our friends. Make sure to go support them, especially, um, during these times. Uh, okay. So we've gone, I think we've done two moments each. I think you are up next for a, a, a notable moment of the year. Yeah, I would just have to say it's got to be David Krejci going back to the Czech Republic. I mean, I was waiting for that to come up. <laughs> yeah, even when you know you look at the moves the Bruins made in free agency and adding guys and the, the cap space, there's still something like that you know holding out hope that all right, maybe he's signing for a league minimum deal. Maybe there's another shoe that hasn't dropped yet because you still didn't have a set solution. Like, all right, Charlie Cole is going to come back from surgery and should be a better player than he was last year, which granted he has been this year. He, he has been much better than what you saw in 2020, 21. But um, when Krejci leaves and you don't have like a set top six bon- fide solution there, it's not only impacted this team greatly in terms of you've got this major vacancy and the potential this team's been, you know, stunted, right? Like whether it be, Charlie Coyle is probably still best utilized in that third line, especially if he's driving, you know, play with guys like Howla or Felino or what have you, or on that second line where, you know, whether it's Craig Smith or especially Taylor Hall, where they don't have a guy like Krejci to really, you know, uh, set the pace, you know, create pl- uh, plays in the Ozone, you, you're missing all that. And it's normally, you know, created this vacancy this year, but it's also raised that narrative again, maybe more than ever that, 
you know, the, this franchise's struggles with developing talent further down the pipeline and not having a set, you know, plan in place. And I think, of course, you knew this current window, this current group wasn't going to be around forever. And I think you first started to see that with, uh, you know, Zdeno Chara and Tori Kruger leaving. But I think when you lose a guy like Krejci and you see it, there's not a, a next person stepping in within the organization to kind of take those minutes and those reps and that production, especially that's when I think Bruins fans are like, Oh shit. Like, you know, we're at, we're, we're reaching the end of this era, you know, because even with those losses on defense, you still had Charlie McAvoy take a huge step forward and kind of account for some of that stuff. Not getting that with the Bruins right now in terms of, you know, play down the middle beyond Bergeron. And again, I think Cole has been very good this year, but, you'd still rather have him probably at the 3C and have a legit guy there, especially a guy like Krejci. So not only has it impacted um, the Bruins this year, but, it, again, it raises questions for the years ahead in terms of finding that that next guy, which the Bruins right now at least don't seem like they have. Yeah, I think what 2021 will mostly be remembered for with the Bruins, I think the moment we'll remember is Krejci leaving. I think that's the most like notable, like we'll look back at 2021, oh, yeah, that's the year David Krejci left. Um, so I think that's probably going to be – overall the most notable um as you said exposed a lot of things we knew were wrong with the organization in terms of player development but maybe didn't um hadn't shown themselves yet we got to see it rather than just like oh that's going to be really bad when david Krejci leaves now it's like oh well now we're seeing it and i think another example of the player development system failing is jake debrusque requesting a trade jake debrusque requested a trade in late november um that has he's been in the lineup pretty much ever since. Uh, obviously, now with the holiday roster freeze and COVID, he hasn't even had a chance to be traded. You know, obviously, a lot of teams inquired about him, um, but still, to have a first round pick uh, from 2015, the most successful of the three uh, that the Bruins picked up, request a trade out. It's hard to tell where he's going to end up going. He, I mean, he's definitely going to be traded. They're not going to like be like. No, we're keeping you. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. Um, but he is up for a new deal at the end of the year. So, I mean, honestly, might as well. I, I can't see a situation in which he's re-signed at all. Uh, and we were saying that before he requested a trade. So that was pretty notable. And then also you add on the fact that Zach Seneshin has also requested a trade in 2021. And that was, it's, I saw someone tweet, like, it's almost like Zach Seneshin was like, oh, wait, I can request a trade out of here. I didn't. Oh, you can do that? I didn't go through huh. the options on, like, create a player in NHL. I realized I could do that. Huh. Yeah. I can't believe it. So that was also a big thing. Um, those two right there, again, exposing the, 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 the bad player development system. I mean, that was even evident in the Islanders series, yeah. but Matt Barzal is skating circles around you. And obviously we've done this a million times, but Anthony you know, just the, yeah, Anthony Bavillier and the depth that they have and the young core that they seem to have with Pellick on the back end and, and obviously Barzal up front, just the whole crew they got, you know, makes you think. So uh, to me, the DeBrusque trade or DeBrusque trade request and Senishin to a smaller extent, would be uh would be notable moments from this year. I don't know if those are going to be like, you know, things that we'll always remember, but I think they were, you know, whenever there's a change at the top here with the Bruins, I think DeBrusque requesting a trade will be something we go back to and kind of point at. It's like, okay, that's a clear example of when things clearly were not working up top. Mm-hmm. So uh, interested if you have any more things uh, from this year that uh, were notable. Yeah, I'd say probably just my final one. I guess it's more of a, a wider scope of just this late December COVID resurgence, which has thrown everything out of whack. Obviously, the Bruins have now had six straight games postponed. Um, you could make the argument that all things considered, the Bruins are making out of it 
better than most teams. I mean, a lot of teams are starting up play starting on Tuesday with like multiple guys still on the shelf. So, I mean, who knows? Every new day brings the potential of three or four other Bruins landing on the list. But the fact that you only played pretty much one game uh, extremely shorthanded uh, helps you out quite a bit. You know, you're going to have Bergeron and Marshan and Craig Smith and Swayman and all these other guys, uh, Taylor Hall, all back uh, in short order. Uh, Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar tested out of protocols, which is great news. And Brennan Carlo, I think uh, Bruce Cassidy mentioned, should be back by midweek. So maybe he's going to test out of it as well. So uh, you could very well only have, you know, one game on your docket where you were pretty much walking into an L, right? So, and unfortunately, that's probably not the case for a few other teams. You look at like Dallas, Vegas, Pittsburgh, all these other teams are getting rocked right now. And for the NHL, it seems like the show must go on. So they're going to be walking into tough matchups. So, which you look maybe specifically at Pittsburgh, it's a good situation for the Bruins where you're fighting for wildcard positioning with them. So if they're playing three or four games over the stretch and they're missing so many guys, uh, it's not working out that well. So all things considered, the Bruins seem like they've dodged a bullet, I guess, in terms of, you know, not playing these many games. But you look at just this resurgence and the narratives with it in terms of whether the NHL needs to augment their testing with the NFL and the NBA are doing or look at the impact of the Olympics where players aren't going to be going to that. I mean, this is going to be something that seems like the NHL is just like, you know, going full steam ahead and being like, yeah, we'll just see what happens as opposed to like (laughs) the NBA, at least, you know, I mean, they kind of kept the show going as well, but also like during the stretch, they've been like frantically like looking at changing their protocols and how can we best tackle this? Cause we're not, you know, the trains on the tracks, we're not stopping it, but we have to, you know, improv on the fly and see how best to do it. The NHL is like, we'll just take a few days off. Oh, let's start back up. Is everyone, Oh, everyone's still uh, popping positive tests. Oh, okay. Like, all right. We like, there's going to have to actually be some actual, you know, changes to the protocols in place to, you know, keep the season going as is. Cause right now you're still getting cases, whether it's more games getting shut down or how you juggle the, the quarantine restrictions up in Canada, which seems like it's probably the main reason why the Bruins aren't playing on Wednesday against Ottawa is because of that hassle with the, you know, the travel across the border if you had a positive test, the quarantine restrictions in the country if you're stuck up there. So uh, a lot to sort out was something that, again, I don't think either of us enjoy talking about. As you said, I think after that Bruins-Islanders game in May, we thought we had got past the worst of it by this point. And I want to say we're back at square one. We're in a much better spot than we were just a year ago. But still, it's very frustrating that it's still something that's clearly, you know, at the the root of most of the NHL's problems in terms of getting the season going smoothly, which has been anything but the case over the last two weeks. Yeah, and then another thing on top of that is no Olympics. The Olympics are kaputs for the NHL players. Uh, A lot of guys speaking out that they're mad about it, Brad Marchand uh, in particular. So that's another aspect to the COVID thing that is unfortunate. Another thing I've written down, this is very minor, uh, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie wasn't too bad. Nick Ritchie was a seventh player last year. He, so starting out the year, he was uh, one of their leading scorers. I'm, I'm looking at his game logs right now. He had seven points in February and seven in March. So like, or no, seven in January and seven in March. No, my God. Maybe I do have a concussion. <laughs> seven in January, seven in February, points wise. Not too bad. Back then, that was not bad. So You'll Nick take. Ritchie was the guy who was a surprising kind of player for them. Um, obviously, you kind of touched on it, McAvoy emerging as a 
top of the line defenseman in the NHL. That was another huge one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was fine year, nothing, you know, crazy. We're not going to remember 2021, as I said, within, you know, the other big years, but you know, it was what it was. Yeah. That's that. We kind of read the whole year. What it was, what it was. Hopefully 2022 is better in every aspect for everyone involved. Um, Anyways, what can the people look forward to uh, over at BSJ before you head out? Yeah, obviously this uh, week is not going to have a lot of uh, game recaps, what have you. It's going to be a lot of uh, days over at Warrior, which uh, Bruce Cassidy mentioned on Tuesday. They're viewing it as more of a, a new training camp, so to speak. So they're still going to have a lot of stuff to work on, obviously, whether it be uh, fixing some of the flaws that have hurt them over the first two months of the season or looking at you know how to best get the conditioning up over this stretch where – I mean, you're going to be playing 56 games in the span of less than four months. So you have to brace yourself for that as well. So we'll have all those breakdowns to what the Bruins are focusing on over this week over at BSJ. So subscribe uh, over at bostonsportschannel.com. You want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week and an awesome, happy new year. <laughs> <laughs>